Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And man, do we have a lot to cover today. A lot has happened in the last week, and we know we probably have a lot of questions to get to from you guys. So any questions you have about what the Bucks have done lately, put in the <laughs> comment section underneath our live video on the Buccaneers Facebook page as we give people a chance to do that. Uh, we know we have all the draft stuff to get to, but first, the most recent news, we found out about the game in Germany that the Buccaneers will play. We knew there would be a game in mm -hmm. Germany, but now we have some more details, so share with everybody what we found out. Yeah, this has sort of come out in stages. Yeah. We got the I, the international home marketing area mm -hmm. in Germany and then that there would be a game in Germany and then that we were going to be the designated host team in Germany. Now we found out as of yesterday that our opponent will be the Seattle Seahawks and the date of the game is Sunday, November 13th. It'll be 3.30 in the afternoon there, but it'll be 9.30 here. So you get to wake up, have Buccaneer football before you even have to have lunch. I mean, you, and then you can enjoy the rest of the day in football. Amazing. So you get just the Buccaneers in the morning. That'll be a lot of fun. But it's a groundbreaking game because it's the first game ever to be played. Uh, the first NFL even preseason, but the first regular season game ever to be played in Germany. It's it's a big step forward for the NFL, and German Germany has a really solid NFL fan base already. I'm certain that 75,000-seat stadium is going to be packed. Uh, there's a lot of rabid NFL fans there, and it's it's fun to be the first team representing that. And it's a good game for, for Germany, for the German fans to get. Um, it's in Munich, by the way. I don't know mm -hmm. if I said that. Yep. Um, <clears throat> It's it, it, the Buccaneers. The last two years have won a Super Bowl. They tied for the best record in the league in the regular season last year. Tom Brady's still there, so it's obviously a marquee team for for that game. And then the Seahawks. I know they didn't make the playoffs last year, but that was the first time in four years they've pretty much been in the playoffs almost every year for the last twelve years. They moved on from Ru Russell Wilson. They have some things to figure out, but I still think it's a very talented roster, and it's a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot. So it's a great matchup. Uh, for the German fans to get mm -hmm. a chance to see. And it's really exciting for the Bucks. It really is. I can't wait. It's going to be so cool. And also, it, it kind of helps us know a couple things about the schedule, which we will find out the full schedule yeah. in a week. Um, but we know now that game, and most likely it means that the bye week would be the next usually, week. Yes. That usually they give you the bye week yeah. after an international game. So a couple little insights there potentially to the schedule. But, of course, for everybody wanting to know the full schedule, one week from now we will know the entirety of the Buccaneers schedule. And, of course, there's going to be a very fun schedule release video to go with it teaser <laughs> always, alert yes. always is that, that'll come out on a show at eight o'clock and that's when the Buccaneers will also post all that information. But at 6 o'clock, every team that night, that's next Thursday, every team is allowed to announce their first home game. So yes. we'll get a little bit of, of information beforehand, too. Okay, well, let's dive into some of the draft information. We know that's been on everybody's minds for the last week or so. And, of course, for months we were talking about what we thought the Bucks would do. And now we can officially talk about these new additions to the roster. So first, let's go ahead and talk about their first pick that ended up happening a little later than anticipated. Yeah, to me, that, that was my favorite part of the whole draft, that trade. We were all kind of hoping that would happen because uh, I think it's pretty – you know, they said so afterwards, but I think we felt pretty, we feel pretty good about the accuracy of the information that at 27, the Bucks had five players on their list they felt pretty similarly about. And so if you can trade back and get some more assets out of that and still get one of those guys, it's the perfect outcome. And, and it was close, apparently. <laughs> they said there were four of the five were gone, but I, I do think that um, Logan Hall, who we ended up taking, was one of the guys that was very much in consideration at number 27. Um, <clears throat> So to move back, that's Rashad White, to move back and get Logan Hall, um, the guy you might have taken at 27, you pick up the first pick in rounds four 
in six, and then he ended up using that six-round pick to help the trade up in the, in the second round. We'll be talking about Luke Gattaki in a minute. But uh, also the fourth-round pick became Kate Otten, a tight end from Washington, that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Mm -hmm. Or if we would have gotten him, we might have had to trade up, or we wouldn't right. have got the next guy that we got it. So, so it was. Uh, I, I love the player, uh, Casey Rogers, defensive line coach and uh, run game coordinator on defense, said on Tuesday when uh, some of the assistant coaches were speaking that he, he talked about his measurables, six three. I think we got a, a screenshot for it, but. 6'6", 283 pounds, his speed 4.88 in the 40-yard dash, his length. He said he's basically the prototype exactly what you want wow. in a 3-4, basically what you call an end. It's, it's, it's an interior lineman, but in 3-4 you call the nose tackle on two ends. And, um, you know, he's just exactly what the Buccaneers would look for in that position. And he, he's productive, 6.5 sacks and 13.5 tackles for loss last year that got him first-team all-conference all uh, honors. Yeah, which, I mean, that's going to look really good, you know, playing next to Vita Vea, yeah. Will Golston, and of course a lot of people have wondered what does this mean for whether or not the Bucks might re-sign Indomitian Sue. Yeah. So what have you heard about that? Well, I don't think it means anything. Uh, I mean, if the Buccaneers would still bring back Indomitian Sue if both sides wanted that, and I don't know if we have evidence of that at this point, but it also does give you what you need in case you don't get Indomitian mm -hmm. Sue back. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, let's talk about the second pick. You kind of mentioned uh, Luke Gedeke earlier, the guard. Mm -hmm. So what did you think of this pick, and, and were you uh, was this what you expected in terms of the position, where in the draft that position was taken? Well, it, it, it kind of speaks to the way a lot of mock drafters leading into the draft, or the actual draft, were giving the Buccaneers a guard like Zion Johnson or somebody in the first round. As it turns out, both of the guards that everybody always mocked to 27 were long gone by mm -hmm. then. Um, but I think... It, it, the Buckners were able to do that anyway. They were able to hit that uh, perceived need by getting a guy they can immediately put into competition with Aaron Stinney for the left guard spot. And that's exactly what the Buccaneers said as soon as the draft. I mean, I got the, uh, I got the um, privilege to talk to John Spitek. He came out of the draft room and, and gave me a little bit of update, told me about this guy. And he said right away he's going to be uh, in competition with Aaron Stinney for the left guard spot. So that's good that mm -hmm. you have that in, in no matter who wins that spot, that obviously greatly improves the depth. depth. But the Buccaneers have pretty uh, aptly, I think, filled the difficult need that was created when Alex Kappa left and Ali Marpet retired and you lost both of your starting guards from what had been a very good offensive line. Now you know you have Shaq Mason locked in on one side and you got really good competition from a couple of players you like on the other side. So it's, it's making me feel good about the offensive line going forward. He had a very good year at Central Michigan where we got Sean Murphy bunting from mm -hmm. so he enjoyed uh, going back to that well. First team all conference as well. PFF Pro Football Focus really liked his run blocking last year, so that's good. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, he played mostly tackle, but definitely projecting his guard in, a, in the NFL. Yeah, he's got such an interesting story of, you know, being a tight end originally in high school, know, right? not recruited at all, <laughs> walks on somewhere, plays tight end. You know, maybe I want to try this. Goes, ends up at Central Michigan eventually to transition over to offensive line and how much weight he had to gain. Right. He talked about how he was eating like 7,000 calories incredible. a day, which I'm like, I don't know how you even. No. I mean, I, I take that back. If you give me a gallon of ice cream, I can probably manage it. <laughs> it probably wasn't Somehow cream, I don't though. think that's what he was doing. I don't think that would have been the best way to do it. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch that whole battle in the interior of the line and how that shakes out. And then our third pick, Rashad White, running back out of ASU. What did you think of this pick and what he could mean to this offense? Well, I mean, you, he, he pretty much slots right into where Ronald Jones was. Um, you lost Ronald Jones to free agency. Leonard Fournette re-signed, and for several years, he's probably still your lead back. But this guy really is, I think, we all were sort of hoping that would find somebody that is a nice pass-catching back, so it could really be complimentary to Leonard Fournette. 
And when I saw, when we first drafted him, I saw 6'2", 210, I'm thinking, well, that's not exactly what I was expecting. And, you know, you're thinking more of a out-of-the-backfield guy to be like a smaller, quicker guy. But, in fact, he's just a big running back like Alvin Kamara type who also is a very good pass catcher. So, mm -hmm. And he can run between the tackles. He's probably a little bit better on outside zone runs and stuff like that. Uh, but he's got what um, John Spytek called a smooth slashing style. So... Uh, I think he's a really nice compliment. I think he'll probably get a lot of play in our offense. You see there, he, he was very efficient. He, I don't think he got as much action as some of the all you know lead backs around the league, around the uh, college ranks. But per per touch, I mean, six point yeah. three yards per carry, ten point six yards per catch is fantastic for a yeah, running back. Yeah, very efficient. And uh, I think he played only fifteen games at Arizona State, but he he averaged nearly hundred yards per game out of the backfield. So um, really an exciting another piece for a team. And and what I like about all three of these picks and a couple of the others too, is that even on a loaded roster that the Buccaneers obviously have, a roster that everybody thinks is going to compete for a Super Bowl again with Tom Brady back and a bunch of the other guys that we were able to resign and some guys that we added, I still think that the Buccaneers drafted players who can make an immediate impact if things go right. Mm -hmm. Logan Hall should definitely be playing a lot right from the get-go. Uh, Luke Gedeke could win the starting uh, left, guard, left guard spot. And Rashad White, they should be able to work him in the offense right away. That's, so. that's pretty incredible, yeah, because I think we had talked about that of position of need, best player available, but and that's kind of what you typically hear, but then the what about the who can help us now yeah. because of just where we know we are with mm -hmm. Tom Brady and, and the Bucks overall, that that was definitely a big factor as well. So those are our, the top three picks. So after that, what are some of the things that stand out to you about potentially the other picks and, and what they did in some of those later rounds that sometimes don't get as much attention, mm -hmm. but we've seen that you can find some pretty big impact players. There. Yeah, and I like the fact that so after the trade down in the first round, the Buccaneers ended up with the first pick in the second round and the first pick in the fourth round, mm -hmm. which means they had the first pick on those two days of yeah. the draft. And when you're picking first on the second or third day, you've, you and the other teams around the league have had a whole day practically to look at where they are, look at who they really want, do we need to make a trade up? Mm -hmm. And the Buccaneers, I'm certain, got phone calls on both of those days, uh, especially in the second round when you know none of the quarterbacks had been taken, and, and as it turned out, they all slipped to the third round. But um, I know they got calls for the second round pick, but in both cases, the Bucks stayed put because they really wanted the player that they had there. And they started the fourth round with Kate Otten, and I just wanted to point out here, um, I'm not bragging or anything, but in the mock draft I did in March, I think, where I picked all the Bucks rounds picks, I predicted Kate Otten in the fourth wow. round. Wow. Yeah. Although usually if you start a sentence with, I'm not bragging, but I think you are bragging a <laughs> well, little I'll bit. But you, you deserve it. That's I'll impressive. I'll tell you why I'm not bragging, because I don't want you to ask me any other questions about any of my other predictions. Oh, right. Okay. Let's just focus on the fact she that I said Kate, Kate Otten. Otten. Everything else is irrelevant. And it wasn't the 106 pick, because we didn't have that pick yet. It was 133. But still, we'll count fourth it. round. Count it. That's incredible to predict anything after like the first no. four picks. And even that, we saw a lot of people got the first pick oh. wrong. So it shows like, yeah. that's pretty incredible. Yeah, all the mock drafts were just blown up oh, yeah. this year. Nobody got much right So now all. you just need to prove that, just tweet that out every now and then. No, you know? I can't because I, then you'd have to, again, look at what well, what else did you get what right? What else did and you pick? Pretty much, it's like... Um, um, uh, I think uh, Jason Light said about Luke Edick, he said his, his hobbies are weightlifting and... Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. It's, so I got the I Kate Otten pick right, and yeah. That's about that's it. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> that's pretty great. So what are some of the guys in particular <clears throat> that you think could potentially have an impact on this team after the first three picks? Then well, we always talk about that of are, are there chances for these late-round guys to make the roster and maybe even make an impact? Yeah, well, obviously, if you take a punter in the fourth round, you expect him to battle for the job. You're probably going to keep one punter. So mm -hmm. um, you're expecting him probably to win the punting job. And uh, 
if, obviously your punter's going to make a big impact. Right. So they, they really liked him. He They really liked him because he can do a lot. He, he has a big leg. Mm -hmm. Jake Camardo we're talking about from um, Georgia. Georgia. He ha has a big leg, but he also can, he also has a lot of hang time. So mm -hmm. he, and he can, he's good at like the pooch punts. He's good at angling punts. Uh, so they can do a lot of different things with him. He's also like Bradley Pinion. Uh, who's done a great job as a punter for years now. He's also a really good kickoff guy. And he can pretty much give you touchbacks at will. I think he had touchbacks on like 71 of his 106 kickoffs or something like yeah. that at uh, Georgia. But he also is good at kind of uh, mortar kicking. That's mm. when you kind of kick it high, but have it come down shy of the goal line and hope that you have, you're giving your cover team enough time to actually Spend get the tackle back, inside yeah. the 20. So I think they feel really good about what he can do in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and then Keith Armstrong talked about the fact that he also is incredibly fast and <laughs> played baseball and can throw, which was like, Ooh, look yeah, at that, that yeah. all of a sudden Keith was thrown in the whole, maybe he'll do more than yeah. just punt for us, which of course I want to be like, Keith, <laughs> stop saying that. We don't need people to know this. <laughs> well, but, he ran a four, five, six. But yeah, I'm pretty sure people would have probably figured that out all on their own. I like but, the fact that he can throw, though. Yeah. We don't do the uh, fake punts very often. Yeah, I would enjoy that. I, I think that that would be a fun little part mm -hmm. to throw in there on that. All right, well, we are going to get to some of your questions now. Um, okay, so Richard said, which pick do you think is the person we got with the best value? And he said, I like Zion McCollum, which I realized we didn't even talk about yeah, Zion. Yeah, the, the, that was the next pick. And the, the Buccaneers actually... When they when they drafted Jake Camarda, the punter, in the late fourth round, at that point it looked like they weren't going to have anything to do for about five hours because the next pick was late in the seventh round. But the Buccaneers saw Zion McCollum fall, and basically they look at their board, and he's standing all alone. Like, mm -hmm. he's the last guy in the tier that they're in on, on cornerbacks. Like, this is worth the value of next year's fourth to jump back in here and get this guy in the fifth round. And honestly, from what I've read, he, most analysts thought he would have been drafted earlier. And it's basically because of his size-speed combination. It's kind of he's kind of a unicorn. You, you just don't see a lot of guys with the speed that he has, like a like a four three yeah. forty, but also his size, mm -hmm. his length, which is the type of cornerback that Todd Bowles loves in his defense. And uh, <clears throat> and he actually had a lot of production at Sam Houston State. Obviously, if you have production and these incredible measurables you would expect him to go a lot higher. You know, this is maybe a first or second round corner, but the, it's the competition level that probably makes him fall a little bit. But um, yeah, really exciting prospect there. Probably has some work to do, you know, in order to, to refine technique and things like that. But you, you're not asking him to step in day one and be a starter. He, your, your best bet going in the season, your best case scenario is that he's your fourth corner. Mm -hmm. And that, that guy's probably gonna be, as we've talked about before, that guy's probably gonna be needed at some point. But that, that's good. I think you answered the question there on the value. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what he. Uh, that's what Richard had said was who he picked for it. So it sounds like okay, you we're all in agreement. Though. Agree with him. <clears throat> um, all right. So Brenda asks, what's going on with Gronks? So I think meaning also <laughs> the fact that we drafted two tight ends. Yeah. So a similar question to what we talked about with what does Logan Hall mean for re-signing Sue? I'm sure two tight ends drafted. What does this mean with Gronk? It, uh, again, I I think even more strongly with Gronkowski, it, it doesn't really change anything. I think the Bucks want Gronkowski back. I think at some point. Tom Brady's going to convince him to come back. He may already be convinced to come back. He's just working on his own timetable. I, I don't know anybody who looks at this situation and thinks he's not coming back. But, you know, he's his, own, know. He's his own guy. Maybe he's sitting there and... Uh, enjoying, and enjoying life. And, and has no intention yeah. to come back. But uh, most I'm in the camp that believes he will return, uh, which is great. Right away, you can see that two tight end sets with um, Gronkowski and, and or Kate Otten, mm -hmm. you'd probably get utilized quite a bit. Cade's a very good and willing blocker, and that's 
that's why he's a guy that they call a Y tight end that can line up in line and not just a guy that, you know, that's a receiver in a, in a tight end's body. And he's a reliable set of hands. He's not as down the field talented and athletic as Rob Gronkowski, but he would make a very Who nice complement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd, very, he'd be, make a very nice compliment to him. Mm -hmm. And then Coe Keefe, the uh, tight end taken in the seventh round, is essentially a really good blocker. Okay. And he loves it. He's apparently yeah. very, very excited he, about it. He likes blocking. <laughs> yeah, which is I'm unique. I'm fine with blocking. Yes, I'm good with that. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks, as always, for joining us and for those questions, and we'll see you next time.